The following sermon is brought to you by Cornerstone Baptist Church. For more information on our teaching and preaching ministry, visit us online at cornerstoneorlando.org. Good morning. My name is Mark Mudge, and I'm a missionary pastor sent from Cornerstone Baptist Church. And I have the blessing of being able to worship with you all today and open up God's word. It's a great privilege, great joy, always to come back home. So this is my homecoming for the year. We'll be back here with you all. The pastors have given me the privilege of being able to open up God's word. And let's go ahead and read from Proverbs chapter 3. We'll read verses 1 to 12. We may not cover all that today, but let's go ahead and read verses 1 to 12, and we'll pray. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commandments, my commands. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. And it will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and vats, vats will overflow with new wine. My son, do not despise the chasing of the Lord nor to detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son in whom he delights. Let's go ahead and pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that you would give us this day to be centered on the worship and glory of your son, Jesus Christ. We pray now in that this time, this hour, that you would take this time and use it to glorify Jesus Christ by applying the fear of the Lord to our lives in a true wisdom from you that is a gift from you and that is cultivated in our lives as fruits of your grace and the gospel. Thank you for giving us many good gifts, including the gift of Proverbs and this call to guard our hearts. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for giving us this great gift of this day to center on your son, Jesus Christ. In your name we pray, amen. Fathers like to give good gifts to their children. One of those good gifts that the Father in heaven has given his, good, his children is the book of Proverbs is the book of Proverbs. 
And so I'm here today as a guest, and I would like to give you a gift. I would like to give you the gift of a better understanding of the book of Proverbs and how that helps you guard your heart. How that helps you guard your heart. And in the end, live out uh, your life in a way that glorifies Jesus Christ. So the gift that I would like to give you today is a clear understanding of the book of, the Pro- of Proverbs and how that glorifies Jesus Christ when we live out true wisdom. So today, if you have an outline, we have the plan of having an introduction to the book of Proverbs. They'll be a little bit long. We'll call it point number one. <laughs> and then I have chapter three, verses one to 12, and we'll see how many verses we're able to cover in the time that we have. But what we'd like to do in those two points, an introduction to the book of Proverbs, which will be more of a class to help you understand and manage the book of Proverbs, interpret the book of Proverbs, and then we'll get a taste of it. A little taste of it in the second part of the sermon, in, in chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. And the focus is on, be wise, my son. True wisdom. How to guard your heart. How to guard your heart by true wisdom. Okay, that's the plan. Let's go ahead and open up this good gift. It's getting time close to that time of year where we can begin to think about gifts for other people. God has a good gift for us in the book of Proverbs. And we begin now by the introduction to, the, to Proverbs. The introduction to Proverbs. Let's begin by asking, why is Proverbs important? Why is this book important? We, so this book is important because everyone is on one of two roads in the world. And Proverbs explains those two roads. And not only explains that there are two roads and how to get on the, the, the road to heaven and get off the road um, on the way to hell, but to get on the road to heaven, but it explains how to walk on that road and how to interact with people that you meet on that road and how to discern there's different categories of people on that road. And so if you think about a hill... And you got it over on the, the top of the hill, you have heaven. And at the bottom of the hill, you have hell. And you have this hill that leads one way in one direction and leads the other way in the other direction. Proverbs teaches you how to begin to go on this road. What's the first step? The fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord, and then it teaches you how to have discipline to continue to persevere on this road. It teaches you to have distinctions. And then to understand the difference, not only to see the distinctions, but to understand the distinctions between people. And then it helps you to choose wisely. And it teaches you to know God on this road. And in the end, persevere to heaven. But Proverbs also teaches you about the other road and the people that you will meet there. And that all, not all are the, uh, the same on the way to that road to hell. And as you begin to see this road to hell, you meet three different people. One is called the simpleton, simple. Another is called the fool, and the other, the scorner. The fool, he just doesn't know. He's like a kid. He just doesn't know what he should know. He doesn't know what he needs to know. 
He doesn't know that there's two roads. He doesn't know that there's a, a heaven and hell on one end. And he's headed that way out of just ignorance. And then there's someone who's gone even farther down that road. And they're the fool. And they want their sin. But there's someone who's even farther down that road. And it's the scorner. He laughs at people when they try and help him to change roads. He teaches all the others on that road to follow him. And he's a false teacher. Or someone who encourages others to follow him. And so Proverbs lays out this, this, this road. It's important because everyone, everyone in this room, everyone outside, everyone in the world is somewheres on this road. In transition to hell or in transition to heaven. And Proverbs teaches you not only to identify, not only to begin for yourself in the fear of the Lord, and not only how to have discipline and guard your heart, but it teaches you to be able to distinguish and how to interact with someone who's simple is different than how you interact with someone who's a fool, than how you interact with someone who's a scorner. It teaches you to see these distinctions, understand these distinctions, and choose wisely. Choose wisely for your own heart and choose wisely in how you interact with others. In the end, it leads you to know God. So why is Proverbs important? Because everyone is on one of two roads, including every one of you. And so perhaps this introduction to Proverbs is a call to come off the road to hell and to come on to the road to heaven. Another question we have is, how does Proverbs fit into the whole of the Bible? If God has given this book, Proverbs, and sometimes we have gifts that we don't really use, you know, that we didn't really know that we had, and then when we find it, we're like, wow, it's like finding a check we lost (laughs) that we didn't cash. What a blessing, right? Well, you've had this gift, and I'm trying to explain how to use it. So how does Proverbs fit into the whole of the Bible? Proverbs fit into the whole of the Bible because it's in wisdom literature. Wisdom literature. It's in a category of the Old Testament. And so we have other other books in that category, right? And how does that category compare with the other categories of the Old Testament? And then how does the Old Testament compare with the New Testament? So if we understand the book of Proverbs as wisdom literature we see that in the Old Testament we have all the Old Testament teaching us about Jesus Christ and our need for Jesus Christ and our salvation in him. All the Old Testament says, you need Jesus. You need Jesus. And the New Testament says, here he is in his fulfillment. In the Old Testament, if we have the law, it teaches us we need Jesus. We're guilty in our sin. We need a savior who come and save us. And then we have the historical books that teach us the story of how we come to Christ. And we have the prophets who open up the law and tell us of our guilt and tell us prophecies of Jesus Christ. And they're the covenant prosecutors of the law to be able to point out to us with greater clarity our need for conversion. But... And then we have the New Testament that fulfills these things in Christ. But the question is, how does wisdom fit into that? How does Song of Solomon, 
How is Ecclesiastes? How does Job and how do some of the Psalms? Here's our category of wisdom literature. How does that connect with Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ, Colossians, in Colossians 2, verse 3, we read, Colossians 2, verse 1 and 2, 1 to 3, For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea, for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that your, their hearts might be encouraged. How can we be encouraged? What do you want, Paul? Being knit together in love and attaining to all the riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Pues, I'm sorry. That was saying a Spanish word. Um, (laughs) So, (laughs) the the book of Proverbs fits in with the rest of the Bible because it describes wisdom applied to life. And Jesus Christ is wisdom in a person. Wisdom incarnate. He is the book of Proverbs shown in a real life person. You can know and see by the scripture. And so all of the book of the Proverbs where it describes to us how to be wise, how to walk on these two roads. And we see in the end we're following Jesus Christ and he's leading us. He's the one who's leading us to to heaven. And that it's his life that is the true fulfillment of all wisdom. Okay, so if... This is how Proverbs fits into the whole of the Bible. It explains to us how to live on these two roads, move off the road to hell and go to the road to heaven. And then it exists to glorify Christ by teaching us to follow him in practical ways, in discernment, in interaction with people, in fearing the Lord. Now we consider how does Proverbs function in midst of the other books of uh, wisdom literature. Proverbs has a relation to the all of scripture, but Proverbs has a relationship with other books of wisdom literature. So the wisdom literature of Proverbs is called typical wisdom, conventional wisdom, traditional wisdom, as opposed to some other in its family. The family wisdom literature that has Job, that teaches us, atypical or atypical wisdom, non-traditional, unusual wisdom. In other words, the, the typical wisdom in Proverbs teaches us this is normally how life is. Normally is life is like a box of chocolates. Normally life is like this. As opposed to Job that says, what happens when life doesn't go like normal? Some, many of the Psalms And even some of Ecclesiastes. What happens when life doesn't go out, doesn't turn out like we planned? If this is how life is supposed to go, Proverbs, that if you raise up your child in the admission of the Lord, it won't depart from it. If this is what the normal pattern is, why is there an exception? The non-traditional, unusual wisdom of Job, Ecclesiastes, teaches us what happens when someone lives godly 
and yet suffers in this life? Or how to live in the, the uh, how to answer the questions of the pointlessness of life? But Proverbs teaches us generally the direction that we're to go, normally how life is. And the problem that comes with many in interpreting Proverbs is to turn it into promises. To turn it into promises and say, this is a promise. This is how life is 100% of the time. And then you misinterpret Proverbs. That's not what it is. It is normally life is like this. It's wisdom. It's wisdom. Consider now the relationship between the law and the, the wisdom. The law is like cinder block. And the wisdom is like the cement in between that connects the blocks. If we only think in law, that God has commanded this, and these are the results, and we think in the, only in those categories, our wall won't be very stable. When a hurricane comes or an earthquake or some sort of shaking, then the wall falls over. But if you understand the law in connection with the wisdom, how the wisdom applies the law in areas and how normally how life goes, it gives you great strength, like cinder block cemented together. And so we need to understand how Proverbs fits into the whole of the Bible. We've talked about why Proverbs is important. Everyone's on two roads. We talk about how does Proverbs fit into the whole of the Bible? How does it relate, wisdom literature relate in the whole of the Bible? How does it relate within the the other books of wisdom literature? And how does it relate in the Old Testament? Now let's ask, what is wisdom? What is wisdom? Wisdom is by the grace of God applying the Bible to our lives. This gift that God has, Proverbs, that he wants to give to you and that you would apply it and use it, not just have it on your shelf, but use it every day in order that Jesus Christ be glorified in your life, not just in your doctrine, but in your life applied, the word of God applied to your life. By the grace of God, you can apply the Bible to your life by wisdom. By wisdom. Wisdom instructs us how to apply the, the Bible in our lives, how to view God, how we think about others. It's a gift from God. You can't achieve it on your own. True wisdom comes by the grace of God. You can't be wise on your own. You need the work of the Spirit to give you new life in order that you may be wise and apply these things in your life. You are incapable of being wise in, on your own. You're incapable of opening up the Bible, getting a commentary, and understanding Proverbs. You need God to give you new life in order to understand this wisdom. So wisdom is a gift, and Proverbs tells us that, and yet wisdom is to be cultivated. Wisdom is to be cultivated in the life of someone who's been given this gift from God. And by grace. Wisdom includes knowledge and discernment and receiving instruction and discretion and obedience because of the fear of the Lord. And so the fear of the Lord is key, the beginning of wisdom. We remember now the fear of the Lord. In a, in a year and a half ago, Pastor Mark preached a sermon on the fear of the Lord. And so briefly we remember what is the fear of the Lord? Because it's key for wisdom, it's key for the entire book. 
It's what unites the entire book together. The fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the heart of godliness, says John Murray. It's what changes a Pharisee. It's the difference between a Pharisee and a Christian, says Albert Martin. The fear of the Lord, says um, Bruce Ware, is, here's a definition. I know reading long definitions is hard for preachers, right? But I'll, I'll, I'll read it, and then I'll unpack it, okay, to help you out. Okay, so here's what Bruce Ware says. To tre- the fear of the Lord is to tremble before God because of his just character and his holiness and to trust him unreservedly because of the bounty of his goodness, mercy, and blessing for those who turn to him alone for life, well-being, and expresses itself in a resolve to oppose wickedness and a resolve to obey God's law in humble recognition of God's authority one of our lives for his glory. In other words, what did I just read? Fearing the Lord is a trembling and trusting of God that leads to obedience. The fear of the Lord is a trembling and trusting that leads to a resolve to obey. The fear of the Lord in an, um, that an unbeliever needs is to come to salvation. They should only fear God Because they're on the road to hell. And the first step, the first fruit of grace is that they begin to say, I'm on the road to hell. I need to get off this road. I'm afraid of God. I deserve this road. How can I get off? The first beginnings of the work of grace of God, evidence in the life of a person, is a fear of God. The fear of the Lord in a Christian is not dominated by a fear that leads us to run away from God, but a fear that leads us to God. It's not a, in, the, in the Christian, the fear of God is not a fear of losing salvation or a fear of doubting salvation or a fear of ignorance, but it's a fear of offending a holy God, a fear of sinning against God, a fear of the indwelling sin in us, a fear of the deceitfulness of the world around us, a fear of sinning against the God who bought us by his blood. And so fear is more than reverence and more than respect. It is a a trembling and a trusting that leads to a resolve to obey. All true knowledge and all true wisdom starts here. Okay, so we're starting in, what is wisdom? What is wisdom? By the grace of God applying the Bible to our lives. And what is the heart of wisdom? The fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. So we're in the introduction to Proverbs. We're coming different, um, we're describing this gift that you have. That maybe you don't have used very well. And my hope is that today would be a gift to you so you would know how to use Proverbs better. In the introduction we learn, we ask, why is Proverbs important? Because everyone is on, two, on one of two roads. One goes to heaven, one goes to hell. How does Proverbs fit into the whole of the Bible? It's wisdom literature that glorifies Christ because he's the embodiment of wisdom. What is wisdom? By the grace of God, applying the Bible to our lives in the fear of the Lord. In the fear of the Lord. Okay, so Proverbs is a series of Proverbs. What is a proverb? What is a proverb? It's God's college in a cup. It's God's college in a a cup, 
Or it's another, um, what my life, wife would like better is a, it's a chocolate truffle, all in a nice, its own package. Each single chocolate. Each, what, I use, what I'm saying by these little proverbs or little phrases, college in a cup or, or chocolate, is to say it's got, a, it's got a, its own self-contained truth in it. And you've got to put it in your mouth and meditate on it. It's not meant to be read through fast. You've got to meditate on each one. One of the ways that this is described is in Proverbs when it says to answer a fool according to his folly. And then in the verse right next to it, don't answer a fool according to his folly. And so it's like the two chocolates. One says, eat me, and the other one says, don't eat me. And, then, and there's something the same in the same box. <laughs> it causes you to stop and think, right? So the Proverbs teach us to stop, to think, to meditate. Concise, memorable statements. If you guys have read Thomas Watson, he communicates this way in his books. These concise, memorable statements that help us. It's one of the most practical of all the books. And it, needs, it's, it helps us by comparing, giving differences. They, there are, the Proverbs are consistent observations, not promises of how life will always be. But normally, this is how life will be if you fear the Lord. The Proverbs must be read in con- context in immediate context, in the context of similar themes in Proverbs, and then in the context of other wisdom literature. When we interpret the New Testament, how do we start? When we interpret a word, we start with how does that um, word used in the book? How's that word used by the same author in other books? And how's that word used by other authors in the New Testament? Then you kind of expand out from there, right? Well, how do you interpret Proverbs? You begin by the immediate context and expand out to the theme in Proverbs and then to the wisdom literature and then to the whole of the Bible. But because they're concise and memorable, they give a slice of truth. They don't have qualifiers. That's why many people, times people take them and take them as promises, always applying them and, and don't understand that normally life is this way is the main direction. There are promises, there are absolutes, but the direction and the flow of Proverbs is normally life is this way. They can appear simplistic because they're really meant to make you think. You have to ask what's assumed in the Proverbs. When, and especially we use the foundation of chapters one to nine. In chapters one to nine, the Proverbs are not given in little bite-sized packages. They're given like a box of chocolates. And so there's more interconnection in the verses in chapters 1 to 9. And then once you get out to 10 to 31, each individual one can be taken almost on its own. And so, ultimately, all of these Proverbs bring us the fulfillment in Jesus Christ and our need to apply by a spirit the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Okay, so what is a proverb? Now, how to interpret proverbs? How to interpret proverbs? I told you this is a class for the first part, right? We're in class. It's cool to go back to school. We got a class. How to use this, this gift that God has given, the book of Proverbs. How to get the big picture. 
Now we've heard what is a proverb. How do we interpret a proverb? How do we interpret proverbs? Well, first we've got to identify parallelisms. Parallelisms. Proverbs loves parallelisms. This will help you in Proverbs, but it will help you in, in many other places. You'll begin to use it in Psalms, in many places, especially in the Old Testament. Okay, so the key for Proverbs is to identify different parallelisms. The parallel, so I have here in the note, carefully observe the, the parallelisms. Some of them, if you have, no, if you have a, a pen, you want to r- write down different names. Some of them um, are antithetical parallelisms. Some of them are sy- synonymous parallelisms. Others are synthetic. Another is um, emblematic. And the, another formal. I'll describe these. So parallelisms. The standard parallelism is communicated in two lines. And then God is giving us two lines of truth and how they relate to one another is the parallelism. Okay, so we have these typically two lines. Sometimes they come in four lines, sometimes six. But in these two lines, how do they relate with one another? This is really key for 10 to 31. I remember studying through the book of Proverbs and being like, you know, it's hard because there's not context. There's not much context to, to interpret it. There is context. You got, there's two lines. <laughs> and so the two lines are key. That's the context. Okay, so then if you have um, two lines in, in as well in, in chapters 1 to 9, you have these two lines um, in, uh, full of parallelisms, even though it's connected in the greater context, generally speaking, in, in chapters 1 to 9. Once you get into 10 to 31, then you get the individual lines that are separate, but their context is the two lines. Okay, so antithetical. Antithetical is that the two lines contrast. The two lines contrast, such as chapter 10, verse 8. That says, the wise in heart will receive commands, but a pratting fool will fall. An antithetical parallelism, a contrast. They're especially popular in chapters 10 to 15, when they contrast the two roads. Chapters 10 to 15 is full of contrast between the two roads, the road to hell and the road to heaven. Okay, so we have antithetical parallelisms. We have synonymous parallelisms. A synonymous parallelism restates the truth in a little different way. It restates the same truth in a little different way. You can look at chapter 18. Chapter 18. Chapter 18, verse 7, for an example. A fool's mouth is his destruction. And his lips are the snare of his soul. The fool's mouth and the lips, the same. It's the same truth in a little different way. And the fool's mouth is his destruction and his lips are the snare of his soul. So we have antithetical, synonymous parallelisms. We have synthetic parallelisms. Synthetic is one of the parallelisms that's key for chapter 3. Verses 1 to 12. We look at, let's go back to chapter 3 to see one of those. In verse 4, it says, And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. The, second, the synthetic parallelism amplifies, explains 
more. It's like taking a coin and saying, look at this coin. It's got heads. And then you flip it around. And it's got tails. It expands the understanding of the coin. And so it's a synthetic parallelism. Okay, we got antithetical, synonymous, synthetic, emblematic. That's a parallelism that's a metaphor, a simile. Compares two things. Compares two things. Another part of parallelism is a formal one. It's essentially a full sentence expressed in two lines. Okay, so how do we interpret, um, how do we interpret Proverbs? We need to identify, categorize the parallelisms, and then begin to observe what kind of parallelism it is. And in the two lines, they will explain this truth. Okay, so it's cool to go back to school in the first half an hour, right? Okay, so if you've been to driving school, these are this, what red light, green light, and what all the signs mean. How to drive a standard, how to shift your car. Okay, now let's get in the car. Let's get in the car. We've explained the, the dynamic. We've explained the introduction to Proverbs. Why is this important? Because everybody's on two roads, and one ends in heaven, the other in hell. We understand the importance of wisdom literature and how it's connected to the glory of Jesus Christ and how it connects not only with the whole of the Bible but with other wisdom literature and other parts of the Old Testament. And then we understand what is wisdom that by the grace of God applying the, the Bible to, to our lives by the fear of the Lord. By the fear of the Lord. And th- this is by a conversion, the fear of God leading us to, to trust in Christ and repent of our sins. And manifested in the life of the Christian as he continues to go on the road to heaven. And that the fear of the Lord is like the ABCs, one, two, threes. It's basic and yet it's used for everything. So the ABCs, one, two, threes, you can use calculus for one, two, three, or you can, or Josh can help out with something more advanced than calculus, I'm sure, or, or Joyce, either one. So, uh, but all those things more advanced, or one can count one, two, three. It's the same with the fear of the Lord. That leads us to the first step of following Christ, but it also takes us to the most difficult things. It can be in, in the Christian life. Okay, so, and then we've also learned what is a proverb. God's college in a cup. Individually wrapped chocolate. How do we interpret proverbs? Carefully observe the parallelisms. Okay, so here's theory. Now let's put it into practice. Let's put it into practice. Chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. What we have here is a command or instruction of wisdom. And then in the second line, repeated, we have this pattern in verses 1 to 2. A call to the son. And then if you live this way, son, this will happen. Verses 3 to 4, a call to the son, a son. And then if you live this way, son, verse 4, that this will happen. In verse 5, a call to the, to the son. And then in verse 6, then this will happen. The same in, in verses 7 to 8. The same in verses 9 and 10. And then in verses 11 to 12, very similar, but a little different. It says, a call to wisdom, don't despise the correction. And then a reason, because the Lord loves whom he corrects. So in verses, we have these little groupings in chapters 3, verses 1 to 12. 
we begin with the first grouping. Verses 1 and 2. My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. Okay, so we have the beginning here of chapter 3. And we begin like many other parts of chapters 1 to 9 with a call to my son, the son. So we've seen, if you look in chapter 1, verse 8, it begins with my son. Chapter 1, verse 10, my son, if sinners entice you. We have chapter 2, verse 1, my son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you. And this continues. Chapter 4, verse 1, hear my children. In chapter 5, verse 1, my son, pay attention to my wisdom. Chapter 4, verse 20, my son, give attention to my, my words. So we begin by observing how Proverbs is for every age group. Proverbs is for every age group. It's for the sage and it's for the son who's four years old. Nobody outgrows Proverbs. Everybody needs Proverbs. Nobody's too young for Proverbs if you're here. Any child who's here and listening, if you can hear me, this is a call to you. My son, my daughter. Each parent is think, can think of their own child, right? And giving this call to their own child. My son, you need to understand this gift. You need to value this. You're not using this. But there's also an aspect where there's a father in the faith who calls his, his sons in the faith as well. And so whether you're a son in the faith and your father in the faith calls you to wisdom, whether you're a father with a real son, a physical son, or whether you're a son who's got a dad, who's a Christian, this applies to all of us. To hear, to apply. To apply this wisdom. My son, my son. Part of the book of Proverbs explains that being a parent, whether it's in the faith or whether it's being a parent with a child, brings great joy or great sorrow because you have great love for them and you desire to see them on this road to heaven. And when you see them on the road to hell and you see farther down the road and you see what they don't see, you try and plead with them and so these, these phrases with my son are filled with tears. Some are filled with smiles. Some are filled, they're filled, but whatever way they are, they're filled with emotion because this matters. This matters. And when we have the book of Proverbs in our heart and mind by the grace of God through the gospel, we begin to see everyone in life on one of these two roads. And it, what gives us this pleading for them to, by the grace of God, move off the road to hell to the road to heaven. Because we can see the end. We can see the end. Proverbs also teaches us that with wisdom comes sorrow because you can see farther down the road. When you're the simpleton and you, you just sing, um, don't worry, be happy, and that's all you sing, don't worry, be happy, then you don't think about the ends. And you don't see, you don't have that foresight. But when you're filled with wisdom, 
there is a joy that goes with it because it opens up all of life of how to live and follow Jesus Christ in a clear and practical way. But it also opens you up to sorrow to see those who don't, including your most loved, your loved ones, including your loved ones. And so this is the, the phrase, my son, my son, don't forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. Okay, so we have here a parallelism. We have here in verse one, a parallelism. Don't forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. It's another synth- synthetic one. These two lines expand on one another. It's a coin that has two different sides to it. One a negative side and one a positive side. Saying, my son, don't forget my law. This is what's going to happen to you. If you don't guard your heart, your heart you will forget the law of, of God. You will forget the word of God. Read or applied or preached or taught in home or in church. If you do nothing, the, the word of God will slowly drip and seep out of you. If you do, do nothing, you'll just come back to um, your land. If you will lose the law of God. So he says, my son, do not forget my law. In this negative, be careful of this. This will happen to you if you do nothing. But instead, let your heart keep my commands. And he gives the positive side of the coin. So in this focus here, the heart is the first thing, says Charles Bridges, is the first thing that wanders from God. But it's also the first thing that returns back to him in a work of his grace. And the, guarding the heart by the word of God is what the Father is calling the Son to do here. Guarding your heart by the word of God. That you would continue to let the word of God penetrate your soul, subdue your will, reign over your life in every aspect of your mind and hearts and will and affections. The, not forgetting and keeping the commandments, for example, would be remembering the call to repentance and our need to repent of complaining. And tomorrow, it's an alarm. You hear it. And immediately what arises in your heart? A complaint. <laughs> a complaint. And you remember, no, I'll guard, I'll guard the word of God. I will not forget the word of God. I will keep it. Work is a gift from God. Work is a gift from God. It is hard because of the fall, but it's a gift from God. And, it, and so you continue and learn to walk on this road by not forgetting the law, but keeping it. This is in the context of chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. We read, in a way, in instruction, further instruction. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and imply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for his hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Meet all, uh, look at all the parallelisms. <laughs> Those who don't understand Spanish know what my problems. Thank you for your patience. If you look at it, 
in verses, all the parallelisms in verses one to five. Receiving and treasuring in verse one. Inclining and applying in verse two. Crying out in verse three and lifting up. All these things are related to one another. Expanding and describing our relationship to the word of God. Particularly wisdom applied to life. The word of God applied to life. Living like the Lord Jesus Christ. And then in verse 4, seeking and searching. And then the blessed result in verse 5. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord. Which is to truly know God. To truly know God. Who God is. And so, verse, chapter 2, verses 1 to 5, helps us explain even more what it means not to forget the law and how to keep it, but to receive it and receive it as a treasure. To submit your ear to it and apply it to your will. To not only do that, but to cry out to God that he would give you the grace to understand it. And then you put all your effort all that you can to possibly understand. And you go back and say, what were those parallelisms that Pastor Marcos mentioned? And you apply it with all of your life and all of your will, with all of your strength and seeking and searching. Okay, so chapter three, verse one and two. We have, my son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. So we understand what is this call of wisdom We've seen the tears of the father who's trying to win his son. Holding out the word of God to him. And now we see the results and the encouragement, the motive. He's saying, son, for length of days and long life and peace, they will add to you. He's saying, son, this is how life is. God has made life this way. That if you treasure the word of God, if you remember it willfully, and you keep it in your heart, then it will give you long life in this life and in the age to come. So in Proverbs, uh, to help us apply some of these things, these things apply in this life and in an eschatological way, in the end times. In other words, when you, you, you read, for length of days and long life and peace it will add to you, this is an application of the Ten Commandments with the commandment with the promise that if you honor your father and mother, you'll live longer. Typically, normally, the way that life is, if, you, if the son who listens to the dad and obeys his dad and honors his dad, he'll live longer. That applies in this life, but it also applies to the gospel and applies to our eternal life. You hear the voice of the father here in Proverbs, it also leads you to eternal life. If you are hearing the word of God, not forgetting the law, and keeping his commandments, that's the road to heaven. That's those who are, that's fruit of the grace of God in your life. And so both now and to come apply in these encouragements of the motives in verse two. For length of days and long life and peace will add to you. If you live out the word of God by his grace, if God has given you a new heart and has is evidence in your life by applying and keeping the word of God, 
what normally happens in this life, verse 2, you will have a longer life. You won't die. What, what, um, I think we, uh, illustra- illustration is um, rock stars, right? Rock stars. What is the average age for a rock star? I think it's 30 years old. They I'm, I'm not making it something up. It's not a real statistic. But, you know, they, so many of them die so young. And why? It's a, it's a problem. It's normally, if you live this way, look at how life goes. And so that applies to this life, here with the word of God, but it also applies to your soul, to your soul, an eternal life. When it says not only length of days and long life and peace, look at the the parallelism that expands again. Not only the length, but we're talking about the quality. Not only if you hear my son, you hear the word of God and guard your heart, keep the word and apply it. Not only will it give you longer life, but it will give you great peace and joy, harmony in relationships wholeness of life life and health. If you struggle with anxiety, depression, with anger, high blood pressure, nervousness, well, Proverbs is is for you. (laughs) It will help you. It will help you in this life not only have a, a, a longer life, but a generally a more joyful life. Hear, my son, hear this good gift. This will help you. This is medicine to you. This is a blessing to you. We still have time for a few more. We still have time for a few more. Verse, let's take another one. Three and Verses three and four. Another grouping. Verses three and four. Okay, so we hear a call now. A call. Don't let mercy and truth forsake you. And then the results. Then you'll have favor with God and man. Verses three and four, the father continues with the call in verse three. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Okay, so we have another synthetic parallelism in verse three. It expands this truth. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. There's the negative. Something else it wants to leave. It's, and it's related to the word of God. And then we have the positive. Bind it around your neck and write it on the tablet of your heart. Okay, so we have this application now that's related to the word of God. Like I told you in chapters one to nine, the greater context is also connected. If verses one to two talk about guarding your heart, By the word of God, the way to continue to do that or the application of that is not letting mercy and truth forsake you. Because in the word of God, we know God. By the word of God, we see that he is full of mercy and truth. And this word, hesed, in the, the faithful, the covenant kindness of God, the covenant mercy of God in verse three. So when it says, let not mercy and truth forsake you, this is a beautiful combo when it's in a person, but it's a, because it's a beautiful combo in God where he's full of mercy and truth. And to know God in his word by the grace of the gospel 
is shown by manifesting the fruits of that in mercy and truth in our lives. When someone has this combination of that they're merciful and kind and faithful to people, and then they're also telling you the truth, isn't that like an old pastor, old gray-headed pastor? You have a few of them around here, old gray. And then <laughs> old gray-headed pastor who will tell you the truth, what you need to hear, in a loving way. Isn't that a wonderful and beautiful combo when they go together? And why is it that way? Because that's what we have in God. That's what we have in God. Some people, when you have that combo, they're attracted and yet repelled by it. They, they are, especially unconverted people, they get attracted by the, the mercy and the truth, and yet at the same time, they don't want to leave their sin. And then you see in the same way they treat God with a distance, and yet wanting to be, attra- there's an attraction in the same way they end up treating you when you have this mercy and truth bound, bound around your neck written as a tablet of your heart. Because it's what we see in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the embodiment of mercy and truth. And so we're called to walk this road to wisdom on the road to heaven by negatively not letting mercy and truth forsake you. It's going to be the tendency of your life is that these things, uh, you'll be tempted to leave one behind or both behind. And just communicate the truth, but without mercy. Or try and be merciful and leave the truth behind. And so we have the beautiful combo of them in God and a call not to forsake them. Not to, let, not to hold on to one, but to, to keep them both. To keep them both. And now to bind them around your neck and write them in the tablet of your heart is that they be visible to on the outside and the inside. And there's a commitment to these things, a binding and a writing, and yet there's also an aspect where it's internal and outwardly expressed. We have the commitment to mercy and truth by the gospel because that's the work that the Lord does in us, in the heart, first of all, and then it's manifested in the life. And what will happen in verse 4? And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. And so in this life and in to come, in this life, this is true, this blessing, this motive, why would you hold tight and guard your heart by the word of God applying the attributes of God in mercy and truth? Because now in this life, my son, now in this life, many will respect you if you tell them the truth in a merciful way, if you're, if you're long-suffering with them, and give them God's word, they will hold you in high esteem. And some of you, I'm sure, without even hearing the stories, I'm sure some of you um, are called uh, preacher at, church, at your workplace. <laughs> or, uh, or some other d- diminutive term. <laughs> Because this has been manifested in your life. And they may say that at times when they're, they're mocking, but then when they're in a trial in their life, who do they come and ask? They don't ask the guy who has the, all the dirty jokes. They come to the person 
who they know has mercy and truth. And so this is an application now in this life of the favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. It's pleasing to God to walk and be like Jesus Christ. But not only in this life, but also in to come. Salvation is by grace. Judgment, is according, judgment day is according to works. Salvation is by grace. Judgment day is according to works. How is that, that true? Because the salvation by grace is manifested in good works. They go together. They're inseparable. And so, this blessing, this motive, applied here and now, favor with God and man, is even more so in heaven, in judgment day. When God says, well done, my good and faithful servant. And, pro- and so, we've seen this in, you see this in the Bible, in Joseph, in David, in the early church, where unbelievers acknowledge each and every one of them, whether Joseph in Egypt, uh, with David, with Saul, or the church in Acts 2, where they had a, a good reputation before God and man, high esteem before God and man, but how much more in life to come. Okay, so it looks like today I'm only able to give an intro into these things. I thought this might happen because, uh, and I'll have to just chop it off here and begin to apply some of these things. Um, very briefly, um, we can look at verses 5 to 12 and see how we're called to trust in the Lord, not lean unto our own understanding. How that's connected with the, keeping the word of God and mercy and truth. And in all your ways acknowledge him, acknowledging him. And then we see how that trusting goes with the fear of God in verses 5, 6, and 7. And how we get to the heart of the book of Proverbs. Don't be wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord and depart from, me, from evil. And that will be health and strength to your bones. And then in verses 9 to 10, we see the honor of the Lord with your money. And then you'll have all your, you will need. God will provide. God will provide. If you honor him. If you, you give to him. This is a general principle. And then verses 11 to 12 the call not to despise correction, but to humbly receive it. Because the Lord manifests his love in that way. He manifests his love by someone coming to you in church and trying to help you and correct you. That's his love through the church. Okay, so how to apply this? First off, with the, the intro, the intro to Proverbs, how to apply this? I would hope that for um, this, the first part of this sermon, which turns, was a class on how to read Proverbs, would help you be able to use the book of Proverbs, help you be able to read it, understand it, observe it, to have some tools, to see its value, um, and that it would lead you to, to study and meditate on the wisdom literature of the Bible. In the application of verses 1 to 2, I, my prayer is that we would apply this by fearing God, trusting God, leading to fervent obedience for the purpose of manifesting Christ in our lives and living with a combination, a determination to have a combination of mercy and truth. And so the book of Proverbs exists to glorify Jesus Christ. It exists 
to, as a gift from God to us to help us see these two roads, to help others turn off the road to hell, and to persevere on the road to heaven, and to guard our hearts on that road as we continue to the celestial city. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we, we pray, please take this, this time in, uh, in the book of Proverbs and use it in our lives. Please give us tools to better understand your word and better value your word. Help us to be the son who hears the call from the father to take up this book and apply this book to our lives. We pray now you please help us to call others to move off the road from hell and go on the road to heaven. We pray that you would help us to fear you, whether it's in our relationship to the word, fear and trust you in relationship to the word, to mercy and truth, to trusting you, to guiding, looking to you for guidance in our lives in honoring you with our possessions and how we receive correction from others. We pray that you please guard our hearts by the book of Proverbs. Amen.